Scott Williams is going to be bringing the word for us. Most of you know Scott. He's been here for three or four years now, five, something like that, eight, nine years. We are so thankful for Holly and the boys, and uh, so thankful they're here. Uh, and we're thankful for Scott, too. Thank you, brother. I feel so edified. Amen. Uh, quick footnote, the amber glasses, uh, the weird guy that sits in the back that wears shooter's glasses every Sunday, uh, the MS light really messes with my mind and my thought process, so these help to mediate all the different wavelengths, bring them in so I don't stand up here and mumble through this. So if you will bear with me with that, uh, that'll be great. So we're going to have... Uh, old-time religion this morning. Amen? Now, some of y'all got excited. As you see, there's nowhere to grab a snake from. I'll be doing no stomping around and no hollering. When I say old-time religion, I mean probably about 1900 years ago type religion where the church gathered and they came together and God's Word was spoken an exhortation was given, and teaching uh, was proclaimed. Uh, and it was in the context of a family of believers. And I come with you with a grateful heart this morning uh, that Gerald has uh, deemed it uh, sufficient for me to fill uh, the pulpit in his absence. It is a true honor. Um, if you've got your Bibles with you, I encourage you to turn to First John. But I'm going to encourage you not to read along with me, okay? Uh, in the early church, the letters would go from church to church. Um, if there was somebody who was in that church who was able, they would make a copy or part of a copy of different verses. And then that church was expected to go on to another church. And then they would spend the weeks in between or the months in between before something else came going over what they had learned, edifying, teaching one another, speaking prophecy, and, and just loving on one another. And so what I would like for you to do this morning, um, and, and I know there's many different variations out there. Uh, we are an ESV, Westwoodian version of the Bible. But I know that people are comfortable in the New King James, the King James, the NIV, um, other different uh, versions. But I do know personally that it can get confusing sometimes when I'm uh, reading my ESV and somebody's preaching from the NIV. And the rabbit trail in my brain opens up and I get lost. In the word, why are they saying that word? My Bible says this. They're wrong, right? So I just encourage you this morning to listen. Just listen. Um, it's okay if you want to follow along. I'm not going to be dinging you. I'm not taking names. I can barely see you with all these lights. Um, but what we're going to do is we are literally going to read First John. And then we're going to go deeper into four areas that God has uh, drawn out that I think the church in our current state needs to hear. And that's the church universal. So let's pray and then let's delve in. Amen. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. Without it, I would be lost. Without its constant um, 
reminders of what Christ has done for me. Without it being written on my heart, Lord, without it being that thing which I look forward to the most. Lord, there's those days when it doesn't seem to have the allure that it does on others. In those days, I find myself not focused as I should be. Not being the husband that you call me to be. Not being the dad that you've commanded me to be. Not being the friend, the brother in Christ, the neighbor. And then you remind me gently through your spirit to drive myself back into your word. So, fathers, we come today to read your precious word. As they did in the early church, let our hearts be open. Let us hear it. Let us write it in our hearts. Lord, the public preaching of your word, exhortation and teaching. Lord, use this weak vessel to bring forth your love today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. First John chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That we have, which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you may too have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment. But an old commandment that you had from the beginning, the old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I am writing to you, little children, 
because your sins are forgiven for his namesake. I am writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you young men because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you children because you know the father. I write to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Children. It is that last hour, as you have heard, that Antichrist is coming. And so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that this is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, and it might become plain that they all are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you have all knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but the one who denies that Christ is, that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. 
Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you have heard from the from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the devil, uh, of the evil one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever love has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. 
By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen or has seen cannot love God who he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he was born, that he has born concerning his Son, Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar, because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask God and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death, there is a sin that leads to death, but I do not say that one should pray that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. So you've got your outline in front of you. Three people beat me up this week to send in an outline, and that's what you got. And I said, leave lots of space to write. We're going to delve back into, for the majority of our time together, in the exhortation 
um, into 1 John. Because it says so much better than what I could ever bring out of my own heart, my own mouth, my own mind. So the first point there is self-deceived. And we see that uh, littered throughout this passage. Um, The if we say statements. Um, They're very convicting. They're here uh, for us as a litmus test to be used. These, These are gifts that God has given us. As we look at our own hearts, as we look at our families, as we look at our friends, as we look at our church, as we look at our community, as we listen to what the world says, we live in dark times. We live in times that are full of lies. We are being lied to daily. But God does not lie to us. He is truth. And truth alone resides with him. So 1 John 1, 6, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. It's that simple. We have got to practice what we preach. If we say we have no sin, 1, 8, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. I'm a sinner. Saved by grace. And I can say the same thing about you if you're a believer. And I can say the same thing about every man, woman, and child that we're all born into sin. Verse 10 of 1. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. 2-4. Whoever says, I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. 2 9, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. 2 15, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You see a theme developing here? No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. We're going to stop there for a second because this is so important. There is no way to God except through His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. You can adamantly discount any belief system that says otherwise. Do it with love. Do it with gentleness. Do it with the heart that Jesus had when he spoke to the rich young ruler, when he spoke to the woman at the well, when he spoke to Nicodemus in the night. But never back away from that. That is a non-negotiable. There are mountains of the faith and there are molehills of the faith. This is a mountain. This is the Mount, one of the Mount Everest of our walk and our faith. 317. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Are we not to clothe those who have no clothing, give drink to those who are thirsty, to feed those who are hungry? 
Oh, brother, I see that you have a need. May God go with you with your empty stomach and your naked back. It's actions. They will know we are Christians by our love. 4.8 Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Without love, what are we? Honestly, we're no different than anything we see in the world. Because the world can fake so many things. But the world cannot fake genuine Christian love. Because what does that love do? It picks up a cross. It bears burdens. It sacrifices itself. It dies to itself. True love is different because it's focused on Christ. And if we do not have Christ in our hearts, if we are not communing with Christ, with the Father, with the Spirit, our love will not be genuine. It is absolutely essential that we love the way that Christ has loved us. Point two. Practicing righteousness. Practice. Think of something that you're good at. Okay? I don't care if it's your trade if it's your vocation, if it's your hobby, whether you did it years ago or you do it now or you hope to do it in the future, if you're going to get good at anything, you've got to practice. There's an analogy that comes to my mind for me because it's just part of who I am. If I'm not sending lead down range regularly and practicing, then that skill set falls away. It corrodes. If you play the piano, but you haven't played in a year, you think you're going to sit down and knock out some Chopin, some Mozart, okay? If you used to be good at soccer and you run onto that field and you think you're going to be the star because you played when you were in elementary school, guess what? You're going to stand there while everybody else runs down the field because you're not practicing. Do you step out of your door one day and go run a 5K, run a marathon, or do you practice to get there? That same concept of practicing, you've heard the term practice makes perfect, right? I don't know about you, but I want to be like Jesus. And Jesus is perfect. And we all know Scott Williams will never be perfect. But I will practice to the day I die. We have got to practice our faith as much as we do our distractions, our hobbies, 
Not saying those are bad things. God gave us this world to enjoy. Gave us each other to enjoy. Gave us our ears and our eyes and our paintbrushes and our tools to enjoy. But we practice our heart. Is it, is it ready to practice the faith, the word? You've heard people say life verses. I always kind of thought that was goofy until I realized I had one. Um, I got saved at, uh, at 13, uh, left Roxborough. Uh, went to an orphanage, left Roxborough, straight up heathen, folks. Oh, my goodness, godless. Got kicked out of Sunday school. I mean, got kicked out of VBS, no joke. Okay? Got to the children's home. Paula Mullis comes in, sees my lostness. I have everything that I own in half of a brown paper sack. She gets me settled in, and I, I'm just, I'm lost. I'm, I don't know what's going on. And after a few days, she comes in, and she gently says, Scott, um, I got somebody I want to talk to you about. And she begins to share the gospel. And I remember listening to her and her sharing Christ and my thought process was this. I have nothing to lose. All has already been lost. Okay? I've, I've no earthly father that I know of. I mean, biologically I have one, but I've never seen him. And she's talking to me about a heavenly father who's going to love me no matter what. No matter what, Scott. He will love you. He will never forsake you. And I did not understand that. Because I had always been forsaken. And she shared the gospel. And I, I went on my knees on that cold linoleum in Montgomery Cottage at Elon Homes for Children. And I just said, basically my prayer was, Jesus, you're the last resort. I'm going to believe what she says about you. And through that muddled sinner's prayer, he saw my heart and he changed me. And then began the process of sanctification. And coming out of Roxborough in 1985, cursing was an essential skill for a 13-year-old. It was. If you wanted to survive on the playground, in the neighborhood, you knew how to curse. And I was an expert. Let me tell you, I was good at it. And my mouth, my language, the foulness of the words that came out of my mouth was the biggest thing that I struggled with as a new believer. And I, and I remember going to Miss Paula after having been once again reprimanded for cursing because it was just there. There was living water in my heart now, but... It's still out of the heart, the mouth speaks, and there was so much still there. And she sent me here. Because I, I, I would do it, and I feel so bad. I remember literally being on my knees in a potato field at the orphanage. 
And two rows over, somebody said something to me, and I cussed them out. And instantly the Spirit slammed me down, and I literally went to my knees, and I said, God, please forgive me. And it just it kept happening over and over. She finally she said, Scott, let me show you this verse in 1 John 1, 9. And it, you'll forgive me because I memorized it in NIV, and then I rememorized it in New King James, and now I start coming to Westwood, and i got to switch over to ESV. So it's very confused in my head sometimes. But it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Oh, what a blessing. What a blessing that God forgives us seven times seven times seven times seven times seven to eternity. So having this verse leaves you and I with no excuse for our unrighteousness. Because it says here, when we step into unrighteousness, when we confess that, He is faithful and just and will cleanse us of that unrighteousness. And there are days, brothers and sisters, I stay right here. Because I'm fallen. My heart is is hard at times. I, I respond to things out of the flesh instead of out of the spirit. And I struggle. You struggle. We struggle. Especially in the world in which we live today. So we are without excuse. But again, the word versus the world. Let's look at some passages here and revisit some of 1 John. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. Notice it doesn't say that it's automatic. We've got to practice this righteousness, people. We've got, we got to monitor it. We've got to put it into action. We've got to go out into the course and swing. I, I, I'm making a golf analogy. I hate golf. Uh, we've got to swing that nine-iron thingy, right? You've got to be out there every day. You've got to do the things that it takes. You're not good at witnessing to people. Why are you not good at witnessing to people? Because you don't witness to people. Amen? If you're not good at memorizing Scripture, why are you not good at memorizing Scripture? Because you don't memorize Scripture. You don't make it a practice to do these things. And this applies to anything that you can think of towards your sanctification. If you're struggling in an area, practice in that area. 3-4. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. I'm a black and white kind of guy. There's not a lot of gray with Scott. You can ask my family. You can ask folks who know me. Um, I just, I don't live in the gray. I don't see Jesus in the gray. I don't see God in the gray. I don't see the word in the gray. Um, And it's just, hey, if I'm outside of obedience right now, I'm inside of lawlessness. I'm inside of disobedience. I'm either being obedient or disobedient. There's no neutral. There's no cruise control. 3-7, little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. 
the world will tell you, oh, don't worry about, you know, just just go to church. Uh, you can go to life group. You can you can do Sunday school, but don't become a holy roller. Don't be so Bible focused. It's not, you know, it, it's not something you have to do. It is. We're called to righteousness. Coming to church doesn't make us righteous. Being in a life group doesn't make us righteous. Sunday school doesn't make us righteous. Nothing that happens in the world or in the church makes us righteous. Jesus makes us righteous. And then he uses those things to sanctify us. It's a concept we've got to grasp. 3.8, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil and thank Christ that he did that. Because I look into my own heart. I look into the hearts of my family. I look into the hearts of my neighbors and my friends. You look into your hearts we're sinners saved by grace. When we boil it all down, we're just broken humanity. Born into sin and without Christ would die in sin. But he is good. And he has given us the ability through himself, through his sacrifice for us, to be seen by God as he is seen. Isn't that amazing? I've always had this image that when God looked at me, I don't want him looking at me unless I'm in the shadow of Jesus. Amen? Because it would burn me to cinders. And so I want God to see me as he sees his son. And the only way that will happen, the only way I can say I'm adopted into the family is if I live like Christ, if I pursue Christ. If Christ is my Lord and my everything, he's got to be the all in all of who we are. Will we fall and stumble and sin? Yes. And then do what? Run back to 1 John 1, 9 and get straight that minute. Brothers and sisters, do not carry today's sin into tomorrow. It festers. It's a boil on your soul. And it's completely unnecessary. We have it right there. Graciously giving. No mystery about it. We don't have to be able to decipher or to, to take some kind of special language study or anything to look and say, if I confess my sins, he will forgive my sins, cleanse me of all unrighteousness, and boom, I'm right back, just like that second after I accepted him as my Lord and Savior. Oh, that's so refreshing. Because we all need to not forget our first love. Amen? 3.9 says, No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning. Because he has been born of God. One of my best friends in the world worked in produce his whole life. Well, 
majority of his life. He was also a tobacco farmer. And for those who have farmed and worked, uh, you know it's full-time on both sides. But the last 25 years of his life, he was in produce. And he was one of my spiritual mentors. He was one of my friends. Uh, I'm talking inner circle, folks. Okay? I mean, he, he was that guy. I hope you've got one of those, a few of those. Jesus had the 12, then he had the three. Tom was one of my three. Hmm. He's with the Lord now. Gone to glory just like that. Broke my heart. And he always told me, he said, Scott, we're not called to judge. Okay? But we are called to be fruit inspectors. And when we look into a brother or sister's life, are we seeing the fruit of the Spirit? And then you can, he's, you can go and buy fruit and hang it on yourself. And from the road, it looks like you're bearing fruit. Scott's an apple tree. Scott's a grapevine. Scott's an orange tree. But when you come up close, you see that it's just a facade. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. Remember we said you are what you practice? That practice will make it perfect in your life? Introspection. Is there something in my life that doesn't need to be there? But that I continue to focus on and, and practice doing it. If there is, we need to bring that fully into the light and let God cleanse us, let God wash us and be purified. And as we look around this world in which we live in, we've got to be cognizant of people who say, I love God. God is all. We've got to be willing to examine lives. Not judging, just looking for fruit. There's a lot of people in this country, a lot of people in this community who would say they believe in God. But then it goes off the rails when we get to Jesus. Completely off the rails. Many of your false belief systems, they sound a lot like Christianity, amen? They really do. Have a good, deep conversation with a Mormon, with a Jehovah's Witness. And they can talk the talk. But it all shipwrecks on the rock that is Christ. Christ is the one, the only one, the only person that is sufficient. These false belief systems, they can believe everything they want to. They can talk the talk and walk the walk, but if Jesus is not at the center of their theology, of their doctrine, then it's, it's not true. It's not true. 
3.10, by this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Good, better, and great. Good, better, and great. Practicing. We start off, we take up something new. You don't memorize scripture, but you want to start learning. You start, you're going to be good at it, hopefully. You know, you're going to stay at it. And if, the longer you stay with it, you're going to get better. Okay, this happens with, with the things that are true to us, that we value. We start off, we're, you know, we may be terrible at it, but if we work hard enough, we'll get good at it and then better and then great. And that will make a difference. Please. Practice the truth. Practice the things that you know will make you more like Christ. We're not going to make it all the way through this rascal. But we are going to hit this last one because it's important. It's all important. Amen. I don't know of any sermon I've ever preached where I got all the way through truly. Because you've got a million things in your head that you're going to say. Oh, it's going to be the best sermon they've ever heard. I know that's not the case here, okay? Um, This is going to be the one that changes lives. Every sermon, if it's listened to and it's preached from the Word, can change lives. I want us to look at that third point of handling hate. Because I'm afraid... For my brothers and sisters. I'm afraid for my church. I'm afraid for the church universal. That as we experience the hate of the world, which is escalating day by day, the attacks on us are just, I would have never thought that I would see the things against the church, spoken against the church, accusations against the church that I'm seeing today. Yes, the church has its faults. I look around and I don't see anybody perfect yet. I look in the mirror and I don't see anybody perfect. But the hate and the vitriol that's coming our way, are we going to wilt away? Are we going to say, no, no, I'll do whatever you say. Just don't hate me. Are you a people pleaser? In some essence, all of us are. Nobody likes to be hated, right? If you do, there might be a little problem with your personality or something. I just love to be hated. But do we worry about being people pleasers or Jesus pleasers? And that's what it's coming down to. That's the line in the sand that's happening. Real-time, people, this is real-time on the ground right now. You will go home today and read a headline or hear a newscast or see something or read something that will bring this into focus, and you will say, wow, this wasn't the case last year at this time. 1 John 3.13, do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you, and I'm afraid that's what's going to happen. We're going to be surprised. Why do they hate me? Why do they hate me? I'm not going to give you an answer. 
We're going to let Jesus give you the answer. If you've got your Bible, turn to John 15. Or click on John 15 or scroll to John 15. Whatever you do, do it. Go to John 15, verses 18 to 27. And just realize that we are going to be in good company when the world hates us. Okay? Let us not wither in that light of hatred, that torch of hatred. Because he who was hated on our behalf did not wither, did not fall away. John 15, Jesus speaking. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works, the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. But this happened that the, world might, that the word might be fulfilled, which is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me, and you will also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Here's a concept we've got to grasp. We have got to become hardened without becoming hard-hearted. Okay, hardened without becoming hard-hearted. What does that concept look like? Okay, going back many moons, if you've got a system that is uh, prone to any kind of electrical disturbance or high voltage uh, interference, things of that nature, there's enough people here from Duke Power to maybe understand what I'm talking about. There's a way that you can um, reinforce that system. You can harden that system so that that exterior things, uh, electrical pulses, Things of that nature will not impact, will not destroy, will not fry the circuits of the thing that you're protecting. Okay? It's been, the term is hardened. Okay? Um, I like post-apocalyptic fiction. Okay? Uh, EMP and coronal mass ejection and all those things. Um, you know, prepper lifestyle and yada, yada, yada and so forth. And that term is there, hardened, hardened. Okay, it means it's made safe against an external threat. But we as Christians have to be hardened, but not become hard hearted. And there's a there's a fine line there. And we've got to make sure that we're daily monitoring the condition of our heart. There's a lot of wickedness in the world and it's easy to become hard hearted. We fall into our categories And we we dig in and we become entrenched in our 
ideologies and our thought processes and, and what we think is right. And if my neighbor or, or brother at the church or, or friend in the neighborhood doesn't agree with me, guess what? They're wrong. And our heart begins to harden toward one another. We cannot do that. We have got to be unified. The bride of Christ has a purpose and that is not to hide. It is not to, to, to bicker and fight amongst ourselves. It's to do nothing but to shine the gospel light of Christ into a dark and dying world. Don't tell me you love lost people without loving lost people. And when we do that, you will be hated by those very same people that you're trying to pour your lives into. Why? It's very simple. Because when we bring the truth of the gospel, don't bring your opinions, okay? Don't bring what you think. God's word doesn't need our help, okay? We can explain and we can give insight, but never think that you uh, know more than God's word. And they will begin to harden their hearts, and not harden the way I was talking, but they will become, begin to hate you. Why? We are hated in this world as Christians. Persecuted around the world. Why? Verse 22 of John 15. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. And that's why. Because a lost world, once they're put face to face with the gospel, guess what? We know that we're sinners. It's, it's, there's no getting away from it. So much to the point that in Romans, Paul tells us that it's written on our hearts, right? It's, it's written that there is a God in the universe, in creation. We can't get away from the fact that God is God and He's real and, and, and that the, the, the histories and the stories and the testimony of Scripture is true. And then here come you and I speaking that, sharing that, opening up God's Word, and, and demonstrating that. And what happens? They either respond, the Spirit moves, they respond... Or they begin to hate. And we've got to stand up to that hatred. We've got to be willing to go back into that furnace. We've got to be willing to go back into that hard conversation. We can't avoid people who treated us badly last week when we shared the gospel. We can't avoid that neighbor who we know does not know Christ and does not love Christ. And has even spoken against the church or you Because you're a believer. Hardened without being hard-hearted. I would love to get into abiding, but JT needs to come out of the nursery and shut this rascal down, okay? So, is that JT? Oh, hey, brother! Um, Let's pray. And and, and this this is just going to be... My prayer for me and for you that we demonstrate 
the love of Christ to a world that hates us. Father God, in Jesus Christ we have salvation. Through the indwelling spirit we have the ability to open your word and understand it. You have opened our eyes. We see the truth. We, we see the expectation that you have for us. We see that you call us to practice righteousness, to love, to bear the fruit of the Spirit. Lord, I fail so many times every day. You've made it possible to come and to be made clean. You have washed us and made us pure. Lord, as I look at the world, my heart does. Lord, I, I just get angry. I get frustrated. I get sickened. I grieve for my children and my children's children. Lord, I say in my heart that I never thought it would get this bad. As my parents and grandparents said. Lord, but it doesn't matter how bad it gets because you are unchanging and your love is eternal. And so your marching orders for me and for this church and for your church, your bride, is to be about the work of the kingdom, to stay confessed, to love one another, to stay focused on the purpose that we're here. To take the gospel to all nations. Lord, I thank you for your patience. So I'm not going to pray, Lord, Lord, that you come soon. I've got lost friends that, Lord, I've got years invested in. I, I want them to come to know you, Father. I want those seeds to come to fruition. So please, Father, hold off one more day. One more week, one more month. Lord, we all know people here um, in our families, in our neighborhoods, who we've been witnessing to for years, sharing the gospel faithfully. Lord, help our hearts. Encourage us. Lead us. Guide us. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done in us and through us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.